You're listening to an irreverent podcast. For more unholy content from our friends, head to irreverent.fm. Hey friends, welcome back to the Speaking in Church podcast. I'm Josie. And I'm Spencer. This week, we have returning uh-huh. one of our BFFs of the show, Woo! Becca Hoogerwer of, of Hooville. Uh, she is currently uh, a youth pastor. She's back in the game. Uh, she's also working as a barista. Is that correct? We love the bivocation. Um, Becca, welcome back, friend. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you happy to be back part-time youth pastor part-time barista full-time badass Amen. also full-time emotional disaster Enneagram four in the house <laughs> oh yeah i'm not an enneagram four so maybe i'm not quite as much of a disaster as yeah. yous get out of here type of disaster, <laughs> what i said you're a different type of disaster yeah i really truthfully am very much a disaster. <laughs> Anyways, Becca, today we are talking about bivocational ministry, something that you're passionate about, I'm really into. Spencer, I don't know your thoughts on that, actually. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it, so. Yeah. Um, so tell us, um, tell us your journey to, once again, being a youth pastor and being in bivocational ministry. Tell us your testimony. Yeah. Yeah, so I was a youth pastor at a church in California for like three years while simultaneously working at a trampoline park. Never described it as bivocational ministry until hindsight when I realized that's what I was doing. Um, I just thought I I was maybe like not as good at ministry because I couldn't handle it full time. Turns out there's actually a term for it and it's called bivocational. Um, and when I left California to have an existential crisis in Washington, I thought that I would never return to youth ministry. I remember driving up highway five and thinking like, wow, that was my only time that I'll ever have a youth group. It was nice while it lasted. It'll never happen again. We'll see what I do with my life. And then, uh, turns out God works in mysterious ways. And now I'm in, uh, I live in Savannah, Georgia and work at a church in Statesboro, which is about like a 50 minute drive for me. But the good news is I only work there part-time. And so I really only have to do the drive two times a week because there's someone who lets me sleep at her house on Sunday nights. So I don't have to drive three times. And I also get to work as a barista in Savannah, which is amazing because there's a ton of tourists. So I make more money in tips than uh, my hourly rate. And I actually make more money at this coffee shop job with like basically zero responsibility and I make more money than I ever made it as a manager at either job I was a manager at. So, well, <laughs> shit. <pretty cool. laughs> what the fuck am I and, doing? <laughs> um, and also, you went from living in California and Washington, two of the most expensive states to live in, to now living in Georgia. So, the fact that you make more money. The South. And yeah, I'm sure it does not cost a whole lot to live. <laughs> Well, Serena doesn't charge me rent right now, so it doesn't cost me a lot to live at all. <laughs> Fuck you, Becca. What the hell? <laughs> For those of you that I don't know, Serena is our friend from college. She's in the military. So Serena doesn't fine. technically pay rent either. Um, I 
pay taxes and so I pay <laughs> rent. <laughs> That's true. That's I'll true. Come that, back to me. <laughs> um, under that logic, Becca, um, Josie and I pay your rent too. So I'm yeah, you guys do we'll formally um, come out as being against that. No, I will say you. though, I will say I do have to pay for my own health insurance and my own car insurance. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's and so guys, do we. <laughs> uh, I get mine through more, my employer. You have more than one income yeah. coming into the household, so it's different. <laughs> You're right. I live a very privileged life with a very yeah, privileged like, white man. I'm, I'm like, Josie, we have married privilege. You need to we acknowledge married that. Privilege. <laughs> that's, that's true. Been, that's been the thing that's driven me, like, the craziest lately is, like, because, like, as soon as Serena gets restationed, like, elsewhere in July, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do. And... Like I've decided that I'm at a point in my life where I feel like I'm too old for roommates once Serena's done. Uh-huh. But um, one bedroom apartments are really expensive and so are studios. They're not much cheaper than a one bedroom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like for a couple to live in a one bedroom, they pay the same rent. <laughs> it's <laughs> the income. And yeah, it's the math so is really, annoying. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that's why, that's the only reason I'm bitter about being single is because it's too expensive to be single. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Well, I think about I, my income and I'm like, shit, I I don't make one third of our income. How is this possible? I'm so <laughs> fucking anyways, it's fine. I'll uh, survive. I'm I'm working on it. I'm gonna be podcast famous, okay. right, Spencer? We're gonna make <laughs> a lot yeah. of money. <laughs> uh Okay, but the the married privilege, I think, leads into um, why bivocational ministry is important. Because if you're single in ministry, especially youth ministry, you cannot live off of that salary, even if you are full-time. So uh, I think bivocational ministry is very important because if you're single, um, what the heck are you supposed to do? <laughs> yeah, talking about money is a big uh, part of bivocational ministry and... Um, it's funny cause I thought back on, uh, a time when I first started working at, um, village in California and I covered a shift for a girl on a Sunday morning, which was the only time I ever did it. But it was like, um, when I was paying the most I've ever paid for rent ever. And I had no money. And I was like, this girl was like begging me to cover her shift. And I was like, you know what? I can miss one Sunday morning. And then, um, one of my coworkers got at the church, got mad at me for doing that. And it was like, dude, you don't understand how badly I need $60. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, I'm sorry, you have a wife that has two jobs that can like cover that for you, but I will not eat this week. If I don't cover this shift. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just like, it made me look back on like my experience there and just realize like all the disadvantages I had because I was, um, single in ministry. And that is a big reason why I ended up being in, you know, stumbling upon this bivocational thing is because I literally couldn't afford to live if I had just been at that church job. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, it's, it's also because I am not called to big churches and I will never want to work for or represent a big church. I want Mm -mm. to be at a small church. And so the sacrifice that comes with that is the comfort of financial stability. And the only way I can manage to be financially stable is if I continue to work a job in customer service while also working in ministry. And it's also something I'm passionate about. I genuinely love customer service. I talked about that on the last time I was on and Mm -hmm. like, 
being at this coffee shop, like it's the best customer service job I've ever had. Not only because it's the most money I've ever made at a job, but, um, it's the first time I've worked at a job where I haven't been bored out of my mind every single day because mm-hmm. they actually are a successful business. Unlike the previous businesses <laughs> I worked for. <laughs> but I think there's also something to be said about being bivocational and that it's not just like good for money or whatever, but it's good for the community, good for the church, good for mm-hmm. community at large, because so, I mean, we see this so often right now with evangelicals is they're insular. They are little cults, like living with themselves and they're all just by themselves and they don't interact because they're not of this world or whatever. Whereas if you're bivocational you have and you have a separate job and you have like, you're involved in the church, but you're also involved in different things. I think it gives you a different perspective on the world and what you can do in your community to help or to whatever. I don't know. I just... I think back to when I did a mission trip in Ireland because, you know, I used to do mission trips, not to brag, but the church that I was volunteering at, nobody got paid to be there. Not even the pastor. The pastor was, um, he worked in for the government. He was like a cool government guy, had a lot of power. I don't know. But so he never got paid for being the pastor. And the only thing that the money went to was the bills for the building and the rent. And it was a very successful congregation. They had it was very diverse in Ireland, which is saying a whole lot. Um, They really helped out in the community because they were of the community. Their whole focus was not just the church building and managing the church building. Um, But anyways, what do you think of that, Becca? (laughs) Yeah, I think um, it's healthier for the church and it's healthier for the pastors to push for bivocational ministry, because if you stop paying the pastors so much money, you Mm. have so much more money for the community Mm -hmm. and you can do so much good because you're not spending money on a salary. And I think that hiring a pastor for 40 hours a week just turns the church into a business instead of a ministry. Yeah, because like you think of what a pastor does all day, every day, and they should probably do that anyway, Um, visiting sick people in the hospital, whatever. But it's true. It does kind of like, granted, the reason why a lot of these churches, because they want to be mega churches, right? They want to be big. They want to expand and whatever, whatever. They want to be a business. They want to make more money, which is why these pastors are full time. But I feel like that kind of loses the purpose of a church, you know? Yeah, it's just, no, go ahead, Spencer. Uh, I was going to say like, my biggest question is um, like, not to sound insensitive, but like, what are you supposed to do for 40 hours? Like if you need your pastor for like, it's probably like a youth pastor. Mm -hmm. If you need them for 40 hours, you're probably overworking them and they're probably doing things that aren't just for youth ministry, or like you said, or your church is so large that you have so many kids and parents to follow up with that you probably need more staff instead of one Mm full-time. Like you probably need multiple part-time so people can actually develop meaningful relationships with students Mm -hmm. and parents instead of one person supposed to like, be like, all right, I'm going to be making these calls to all these parents and all this stuff, because, you know, I understand like they have volunteers and that kind of stuff but like you can only expect a volunteer to do so much especially when i think about like parent relationships like 
nine times out of 10, I'm, I'm pretty sure a parent's going to be like, you know, I want to talk to the youth pastor. Like, I don't want to talk to you 20 year old in college. Like, yeah, <laughs> please let me talk to the pastor. <laughs> I mean, I think it does get hard though, because people need a full-time job to get health insurance. It's like a difficult yeah. <laughs> like balance. Say, uh- I do have, uh, now that I'm no longer on my parents' insurance, um, what my insurance covers is terrible service. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like like my first time going to like the doctor on my own health insurance, I was like, ah, (laughs) nobody's nice to me. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I I was on such good insurance before. (laughs) I just got off my parents' insurance and my dad had that union roofers insurance, like a dangerous job. So everybody got the best health. I got free ambulance rides, free MRIs, free x-rays and now I have Ryan's stupid insurance and I'm like I don't even know how to navigate the health system outside of Kaiser I don't know where to find a doctor I don't know where to get an x-ray dude I went to CVS and I was like oh can I pick up my prescription that my doctor prescribed me with my health insurance and they're like oh we actually don't accept your health insurance here at this pharmacy and I was like well then what the heck am I paying health insurance for like you don't cover the one prescription I need anyways that's a side rant about um, (laughs) health insurance (laughs) because i don't have full-time benefits that is the problem with bi vocational ministry you're right i don't have full-time benefits i struggle to pay so health care for all everybody health care for all yes uh universal health care um also this can be like i don't know like again like (laughs) i'm the kind of person that i'm like listen like we're we're in the business of church and we're in the business of like taking care of people um why not like loophole it because i know that some places like to be considered full-time is like 30 hours or more which is still like less than 40 so how about you just make a deal of like you're gonna work this much because then you could still have time to be a barista and then you can get the full-time benefits or even if you have like one of those of like um you know how some people work like uh like flex schedules like where mm-hmm. you work more like one week versus the other as long as you're meeting a certain like hour mark why can't we do something like that because then that makes sense for like a lot of youth ministries are like you have to have an event like once a month or twice a month then you can flex it and you can meet your hour mark but in your own time frame this is too complicated the government just needs to give us fucking universal health care give me health care and like half of my stress in life will be yes <laughs> full disclosure anyways um pro health care also pro antidepressants that's another thing we can talk about yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um anyway what's it what's it like being so you know you've kind of mentioned this to us before what's it like being at a church that like you actually feel valued at <laughs> oh yeah it's i it's so weird um and i like the culture shock not only am i experiencing like the culture shock of being in the south and like our event is called supper and people this what? man talked to me today. supper i know we have supper um <laughs> this man talked to me today with such a thick southern accent i legitimately didn't know what he was saying to me and i was like staring at him i literally was like am i like where am i (laughs) what is this man saying to me i think it's english but i do not know what he's saying and there's just like a bunch of other like random little things where i'm like what what is what are these phrases what is this food you're talking about there's that culture shock and then um just being back in a church in general is weird for me because I was so hurt at my last church and 
I realized that this was a problem for me when I was um, sitting in a church service one day. And like on Sunday mornings at the time, like my responsibility was literally just show up, do the announcements. And that was all I had to do. And I would, every time like the service would end, I was so scared of being approached by someone that I would just book it out the building. And that's when I realized, wait a second, why do I feel the need to do that? And I realized I was just afraid of like, having someone come up to me, like how the man that went up to me that I mentioned in my previous episode, who said that he thinks I should leave and step down from my position because I wasn't qualified <laughs> to be in it. Words that repeat in my head every single day. Oh, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, and I was so scared that um, someone was going to say that to me, even though I literally had only been there for a few weeks, I was just like, someone's going to tell me they have a problem with me. And I was, I still like anytime someone approaches me and like says Becca and I'm like, they're going to criticize me for something. They're going to tell me I'm bad at my job. <laughs> I like immediately jump to that conclusion, which is wrong. And I think like, it was so weird because the students like threw this little, um, ice cream social party for me and they were like, I know how cute. Right. And they made like a poster for me and they were like, please don't leave us. And I was like, wow. You, you guys are nice. <laughs> not yeah. that like my my students weren't nice. They were not like, nice, <laughs> Becca. They were very kind students. They were not very nice. That's I say true. that with all the love in my heart as your fellow, as your underling, as your youth group leader. Our kids were not nice. They were very kind and they were very sweet, but they were they were assholes sometimes. <laughs> they they um they were mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 uh, backtrack a little. They were mean. Um, and they were just challenging in ways that these students have not been like, yeah, I feel like the church dynamics have been a challenge for me since starting here, but the students, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I literally had to say, sit down one time and they sat down and they're quiet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, <laughs> uh, okay. And like, everything just goes so much <laughs> smoother because I don't have to constantly repeat myself and I'm, it's just weird. And like, it's weird that they, these kids, like they like already know so many things. And so I can say certain words and I don't have to explain what that means. And, and like the weirdest thing was like, they have Wi-Fi, and my church in California didn't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, I was not allowed on that fucking Wi-Fi. I was always so pissed were, about it. They wouldn't let you on the Wi-Fi. I used my own personal hotspot yeah. for all my functioning at the church, and there was a printer, I but I, they would never tell me the password to the printer, and so I had no way to use a printer. I would only use my personal printer at home. Um, the students can actually get themselves to youth group without me having to pick them up. And there's a church bus. If I ever have to drive many students and a church van <laughs> and, um, yeah, so now I can print stuff. And what was the other I thing? I can print stuff. <laughs> there's like, there's like a budget. And like, I was like, yeah, it would be kind of nice if we had like a portable speaker for when we want to do things outside or have like pool parties or do karaoke or something. And my my boss literally today, this was in this meeting I had this morning. He's like, all right, I'm on Amazon buying it right now. And I was like, what? There's money for that. <laughs> and I was like, maybe we can do pancakes in the morning. And like the church administrator was like, okay, I'll have that for you by Sunday. And I was like, I don't have to go buy it. And also I don't have to buy it. <laughs> yeah. I was we spent a like, lot of money I, on our children like, back in the day. 
Okay, but like, not only you're like, not only do I do I not have to use my own money, I don't even have to go to the store myself. Yeah. Like, like there's a system yeah. that is happening. Yeah. It's crazy. And I like, it's just completely like changed my like perspective on things. And, um, I uh, if we think less of the church I was at before. I mean, uh, you should think less of the church. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I uh, I remember. So my parents were part of a church plant, um, and you know, like they there was like there was like money like to start things, but my mom, like a very generous human, was like, if like I have the money for this, so I'm not gonna like make them pay me for certain things. Like, cause I, you know, we're starting a church. And so I was like, yeah, like that makes sense. And I remember during my like first ministry job, I, cause I was always under the impression that churches just didn't have a lot of money because the churches that I was in were always like, we got to fundraise. Like there's no money. Like we have to fundraise. We've got to do all this stuff. So I remember going to the store and being like, okay, I'm in charge of my own like third grade classroom. So I'm going to buy some stuff. And I only spent like 20 bucks, but I remember like showing my boss, like, yeah, I got this cute stuff for the kids. She's like, cool. Like, give me the receipt and I'll make sure I get it to you by the end of the week. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, yeah, like, do not use your own money. Like I will pay you for this. Like, please give me the receipt. And I was like, so uncomfortable because I was like, what do you mean? Like churches don't have money. And she's like, we have money. Like there's a budget. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird. And also, um, that reminds me that I had this parents meeting and like, it, first of all, terrifying for me, literally I've never been so scared in my whole life than before this freaking parents meeting, which was also the same night of my first youth group. And I was like, first youth group, that's fine. Meeting the parents, I'm terrified. And I like, um, it's like them first, about- first date versus meeting the family. Yes. I was <laughs> so much more nervous for meeting the family. And I like told them about this fall retreat we have. And I was like, it's $150. Just get it to me as soon as possible by September 1st. And a mom like wrote the check and gave it to me by the end of the meeting. And I held this check for $150. And I was like, no child's parent has ever given me money. (laughs) Yeah. We went away. We did like events to raise money to take our kids to winter camp or whatever. And the kids didn't pay like a cent. There was like, we fundraised 100% of um, the finances for that youth group and never asked the kids. I think the only time we asked kids for money was for $10 for gas money for the camping trip. And Mm -hmm. half of them didn't bring it. Yeah. (laughs) And I think, I think too, like, obviously, you know, depending on where you are and the size of your church, like there's nothing wrong with fundraising, but I think like what, I think one of the the points that we're trying to hit out of like, like if you want to have a thriving youth ministry, like you need to at least allocate some funds to it. Even if it's like, Hey, you can only have a hundred dollars a month. Heck, like, especially when you have like young youth pastors, we're freaking savvy. Like a hundred dollars goes a long way. I'm like a hundred dollars. That's $25 a week. If you have like four youth groups a month, like that could take me far or I could have one event a month for a hundred bucks. Like, it's again, I think it's not even just like about the amount of money. It's the intention behind it, because unfortunately we've seen so many youth ministries from the one that you had personal experience with Becca to like other friends of ours that do ministry and just like other women I've heard from like ministry groups and on the internet where they're literally like my budget is $0, like legit $0. Like, like they pay me and I basically use my paycheck to buy things for my students because mm-hmm. I have zero dollar budget. And I'm just like, 
how do they think this is going to work? Like, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, wild. Yeah. But tell us, Becca, how your experience is going with bivocational ministry. I am like so stoked about it. And I think it's the best. <laughs> uh, like that's just plain and simple. It's the best. I, I've been like very emotional in, in this because I feel it was like so weird. Cause, uh, the way I, I, I did not think I was, would be working at this church when I moved to Georgia, I had no plans to work at a church anytime soon. And I was working at this restaurant that I hated for two weeks. And then I, um, found this, I was just kind of like, well, maybe I should just look into something else and get out of the, this restaurant. Cause I hate it. And I swear I was on Google for like an hour and then somehow found this part-time youth ministry position for a church, the size that I've always wanted it to be. And it was like within driving distance. And I was just like, all right, I'll apply to this tomorrow. And then I like tried to go back to sleep. And then it was like, Oh, guess I'm getting out of bed right now. And applying. <laughs> and then I heard back the very next day. And then they set up like a time to meet me prior to the interview. And like the two people who met me told me after they met me, like, you are exactly the person we have been looking for. And then I was like, okay, so I guess we just need to do this interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a pretty good chance. They said I'm exactly what they wanted, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And it's just been like, it's, it's just been refreshing. And I, I feel often, um, insecure because of experiences in the past, but as soon as like I'm in the environment and around the students and at church, like all those securities fade. It's only when I'm on my own afterwards where I start to like second guess myself and my abilities. But um, yeah, being around the students is just like the most natural feeling for me. And it just like confirms every time I'm with them, like, okay, this is like where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm like supposed to do, what I'm made for and what I'm best at. And it's just like exciting. And I love that I, it's not full-time because I just know that I need a job that is, has more diversity. And going back to what you guys were talking about earlier too, of like, what do you even do with 40 hours? Like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) If they told me to work 40 hours, I would literally be like, what on earth do you want me to do with that? Like I, I have 20 hours worth of work to do a week. I do not need to do more than that to be good at my job. Mm. And I think that if you want pastors to be what better taken care of, and if you want to prevent burnout, then stop hiring them for 40 hours a week because there is not 40 hours worth of passionate pastor work to do. Um, anything else that you think they should be doing in that 40 hours can be done by either a volunteer or another part-time employee that's actually passionate about the thing that you want done. And so I think churches should have a larger staff, but, um, fewer hours required of each staff member. And, um, I have this, what's this hot pick I wrote down here? Um, oh yeah, <laughs> not just, um, done by volunteers or other, um, 
staff members, but uh, licensed professionals. <laughs> yes, please. So yes. stop making your pastors therapists. Like mm-hmm. they are there for your spiritual care. They are not there to be your therapist. Mm-hmm. And I think so often what a lot of Christians do is they go to their pastor when they need to be going to a therapist mm. and, yeah. and stop paying your pastors 40 hours a week to be therapists. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, yes. Pay for people to go to therapy. <laughs> like, during, during my time at the mega church, you know, there was a lot of things that they did not do great, but a couple of the things they did do great was they had a large staff. And when I worked in children's ministry, originally they had one children's director. They hired another one because the original children's director was great at the creative side. Great at planning, you know, the classes and events for kids, engaging with parents, but she was not necessarily great at the like, how do I manage all my volunteers, make sure everything's super organized. So they hired somebody that was really good at that. So they were successful because they expanded their staff and they didn't have to work as hard. They actually got to go home and like have some rest. Mm -hmm. The other great thing they did was because the church was so large and they knew a lot of people were seeking like what they thought they were seeking was like pastoral care when really they were like, no, you need a therapist. So they, they employed an actual licensed therapist on their staff. So that way, when somebody came in for pastoral counseling, if the pastor was able to be like, yeah, this is, this is not like just a spiritual thing. Like you probably should go see so-and-so who's that actual therapist. She's still on our staff. So you can still come to the church building because it makes you feel comfortable, but she's a professional. And I'm like, praise God. Like, thank you. Because too many pastors are just going to be like, all right, here we go. Like buckle up. And then you know what happens? Trauma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. At my church, um, I'm the sole employee. I do everything and it's fun. Granted, I'm very good at it and I'm not burnt out that's my yet yes (laughs) but part of my what i'm doing is um doing all these events to raise money so i can don't so i don't have to do everything myself because (laughs) lord knows (laughs) it's interesting churches not knowing what needs to be done ever it's crazy i have this one guy god bless him mike shout out to mike he comes into the church he has keys and he's just like what needs to be fixed around here and he just does it he doesn't get paid he's just a cool volunteer and we run into each other and he's like josie can you help me with this and i was like sure thing mike um but i don't necessarily think that churches should be relying solely on volunteers either because people deserve to get paid yeah i feel so bad for the woman who um they're basically like the youth pastor before me. He left in, I believe, December of 2020, right? No. So nineteen During the pandemic or before the pandemic? Oh, he was hired December 2019. And then he left at the end of summer 2020. And so he was pretty much only there for like three months and then COVID and then didn't, and then just like ended up leaving. And so that meant that they were from like, I want to say it was like August of 2020 through March, 2021. They didn't have a formal youth pastor. And, uh, the woman who like led it that whole time just did it for free for like, and that's like a lot of work. And I felt so bad, like, but she was, she's now like my basically primary volunteer. And like, she like cried 
when she sat through my parents meeting because she was just like it's so exciting to like finally see that the person that they need is like here like it's finally exciting to like see someone that has the energy to put in this work and I was just like oh. but yeah they should have paid her they should have <laughs> yeah I'm like, like why did they, they pay her even a little bit <laughs> like some some sort of monthly stipend or something like like you just yeah you do get burnt out and I'm that's what I'm hoping to be able to avoid and why I think bivocational ministry is the way to go because I think when you are financially dependent on a job at a church um you you feel like a lot of pressure with how you spend your money too and how you spend your time and I feel like having like the freedom of a job that's not religiously affiliated um is more comforting i don't know if that makes sense it it does does. make sense i mean i I used to feel that way i used to feel that before this church i mean our there's one that spencer found for me now she left me but it's fine i'm not bitter i'm not sad Uh, this (laughs) church is cool because it's also we're all in the umc people all the ex-evangelicals are running to the united methodists there's Um, a reason for it yes and my church is so chill that I don't have any problem buying weed with my church money because I made that money um, and they don't care. But it is true that you're supposed to do this thing of like saying like you have to be a good steward with your money and then they underpay you and expect you to tithe. It's like <sighs> I think even like even more so than just like what you spend the money on. I think it it can be so messy if your if your sole income and this is not even just something for single people but this can this is also something for married people too that are in ministry because um, i've heard stories of married people where like maybe one spouse is in full-time ministry and that's where they get like their benefits like for their kids and you know like their kids get to go to like the church daycare for free while the spouse like is in school or the spouse only works part-time and so like when things start to go like south at the church, like whether Mm. they're having disagreements, like with the theology or just like a scandal happens, like people are almost like pressured, not even by other people, but by themselves, because they're like, my whole life is tied to this. Like not my income is tied to this. My children's like daycare or schooling is tied to this. Like my social life is tied to this. Like, it, it like the stakes are so high because this isn't just like I work here part-time, but I also have another part-time job. So like, is leaving going to be hard and it's going to suck? Yeah. But like we can get by while we find something else versus people that are in it full time. Like it's really life-changing and devastating. And it's like, it can be so hard to leave that they stay longer in unhealthy places because of just like the hold it has on their lifestyle because it's connected through everything. And I think like what you said, Becca, like it's like so much more caring for people to have a life outside of it, to be working in another place, a different community, like being able to just really separate. And I think that goes into like, a work-life balance because how do you have a work-life balance when your full-time job is a church, you're a regular attender, you have all your friends there, like your kids' friends are there. Like you don't have a work-life balance. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like if I just, I don't understand how people don't like understand that. Like, cause some people are like, 
I'm jumbling my words here, but if you're working full time and you're complaining about how, oh, I feel like all I do is work. Just imagine like how that pastor is like, if your whole life is church, like you are going to be crazy. You literally will not have a personality outside of Mm -hmm. your religion. And I think that is so, so, so unhealthy. And like, yeah, I do remember that being some, like you worded it so well, Spencer, of it's scary that if you lost your church job, you have nothing. And I think that has always subconsciously been like one of my fears because like you put a lot of trust in this church that they're going to support you. And you could say one thing that could get you fired and not even realize that that's something that could get you fired. And then your income is gone and you can't survive. And so a big part of like one of the reasons why I want to continue in the whole balance between multiple part-time jobs is that, I also want to continue to develop those skills and make sure that I don't have gaps in my resume in regard to my customer service. If that's what it ends up being, ends up being something I need to like even more than I already need it. Because the reality is, is that churches aren't necessarily safe employers. You have no guarantee. They, and they, have different laws that apply to them. And like you said, one thing can get you fired and you just don't know what that one thing is. I had a friend who she got fired from a mega church out here in California. And I don't remember why. I don't know if she really knew why either, but they just fired her and said, here's two weeks severance. And, but you only get it if you sign this non-disclosure agreement, like where you can't talk shit about the church for two months or something. And I was like, how toxic is that? That you can't, you won't receive your severance package if you don't agree to not call out the people who just harmed you and your family. She, that was like the, she was the breadwinner in the house and the church just decided that they didn't want her anymore. It was not, I don't know. I just don't, churches are not safe employers and we're all very well aware of that. And even when you get fired, it hurts worse than a normal job. It's scary because at like a normal job, you work hard, you know, you're not going to lose your job. If you work hard, you do what you're told to do. You're good. Like, and even if you mess up, there's so much more room for forgiveness and to like correct a person. Whereas like, and like systems in place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could say a theological belief that I genuinely believe and not realize that it doesn't line up with the church wants. And then there's some, suddenly every opinion that they've ever had of me could just like mm-hmm. it's like a switch and then they could fire me like yep. and it's scary and it's like it doesn't matter how hard i work if i if, if there there's something inherently wrong with me that i don't know about through their eyes could get me to lose my job mm-hmm. and there's nothing i can do about it like i have no control over whether or not i keep this job no matter how hard i work i could have a belief or something some conversation that just could get blown out of proportion in a way that I lose Mm -hmm. my entire job. And yeah, that's why bivocational ministry is safe. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, you know what else is funny too, of just, you know, um, if the big, one of the big things about, you know, like being in like evangelicalism in the main line is like, go out and make disciples. Are you supposed to do that? If your whole job and all your friends 
are in your same Christian circle. Like, yeah. Like that doesn't make any sense yeah. to me because it's like, oh, you're supposed to go and like be with like quote unquote non-believers. And I'm like, well, how the hell are you doing that? <laughs> this is your whole life. Like, And even when you are, they, they're, they're like, what are you doing? Why are you hanging out with these people? You should be hanging out yes. with your church friends, your church family. It's like, what the, what the fuck are you supposed to do? I hate the term church family so you much. You are not my family. I, I don't even know how to describe it to you because, um, yeah, like the only, <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, but the only thing that the church and, and my family have in common is that if they disagree with me, they peace out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, um, or they like want to be, or they, or if they don't peace out, they do the whole, like they argue with me and then they end it with the, I love you. And I'm like, do you like or like the oh i had i had um i had a family member say this and i've had church people say this where they're like i feel like you're just being misled and i love your heart and i want to protect it and i'm like do you love my heart because my heart is in it with these things that you disagree with so uh later Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah well it's just it's crazy to me that some christians don't see that because i feel like i have experienced like better ministry quote unquote through like going out for drinks with my friends than I have within the church at my mm-hmm. age, because I'm sorry, does anybody know a good single ministry for 26 year old people? No. Because I don't, and no. I've never experienced a church with one. And this is, there's this, once you graduate college until you're married, there is nothing for you. And I, if there is, it's not good. <laughs> I've only known of like two churches that had single ministries. One church was the church that I like grew up in. So when I was in high school, you know, some people that had graduated from college were in like the singles ministry that like pretty much 90% of that group just married each other. So then there wasn't a singles ministry anymore. And then the other single ministry I knew of exactly what you said, Becca, like it wasn't good. It was like three or four people. And it was this weird where like, some of them were like professionals, like working. Others were like in grad school or some of them were like, I graduated college and I live with my mom because I don't know what I'm doing. And none of them wanted to be there. And it's like, what are you supposed to do with this? You either have to I, get I'm, married or like just become a, like become just like a, a spinster and hang out with the oldies. Like that's I, I hear the Mormons have a great singles ministry. They <laughs> really hook it up. They're probably too young for me. Um <laughs> Yeah, you'd be I getting fully, the slim pickings. I fully understand like why that age, that like category of people is so hard to minister to because of exactly what you said, where like nobody in their mid-20s is in the same stage of life. But it's just like I almost wish that it was just easier for ministry to exist between single and married people. And my experience as a single person has not been catered to and um i think that's the problem is that they your relationship status becomes such a big part of which ministry you get plugged into mm-hmm. when in reality that shouldn't even like be something but i think there's just so few single people that go to church that it's it's almost impossible for them to ever feel included because the problems and issues facing married people are going to end up being more prevalent within the group. And the single person is just going to become more and more ostracized because they're not included in that group. And it, it just sucks. Cause I don't know how to, I'm not, 
I'm not the one responsible for changing that, but I don't know how that would ever change. I'm just here to complain about it because um, it affects me. And I, I, uh, yeah. And that's why I say like, when I go out and I have beer with a bunch of people and I'm able to like explain what I do for a job and how like, yes, you can be a Christian and go out and have beers and still be loved by God and how that can like sometimes like blow strangers minds that I would say that. And like, um, like Especially in the South. Yeah. Here I go. I'm going to get fired right now. She's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, like my, when I think of like my roommates in Washington and just like the way we would just beer and play games and they knew I was like spiritual and religious and how that completely skewed their view of what it meant to be Christian because I was someone that would drink and play games with them. Like mm-hmm. drinking and playing games, that's just ministry. Like yes. <laughs> what, what else is there to it? Like love God, love others, love yourself. That's ministry. Like, and so that's one of the things that just is crazy to me. Like, I, I don't know. I, there's no conclusive thought to that. Just all the thoughts thrown out there. <laughs> no, I agree. Especially even like as a married person, I've never understood maybe cause I'm not like a big PDA person. I'm not like all over my spouse or whatever, because I hang out with single people. That's never been an issue for us. I think it's really just a church issue of not thinking that married people of the same age would want to hang out with single people of the same age. And like, but- I want to like, most of my friends are married and that doesn't make me not want to be their friend anymore. Like, right. it's just like, it's okay. Why can't I like, I it's want, only like, weird if you make churches, it weird. What are churches doing wrong? That's like making it not exist within the church while it exists yes. so easily outside the church. Mm-hmm. It's like this weird of like, I like, I understand like being in a new city, like, yeah, like Jack and I like wish we had like, married friends but more so than anything like we just want more friends and so like i like i invited people from work to come over and like yeah like one of them like him and his wife came another one was him and his girlfriend another one was just a single girl that we all worked together and we had a great time and it was not like oh they're married or like oh like they're all in relationships and i'm single it wasn't weird like it was just similar Mm -hmm. age people with similar interests hanging out and it was a fun time and for whatever reason i feel like churches are like (laughs) Oh, like Josie and Spencer are married now. Becca, you're no longer their friend. Um, Josie and Spencer have to only go to the marriage. They have ministry. different priorities. Yeah. And they then, have and to be wise. They're further along spiritually then, because God blessed them with a husband. And therefore you must not be as spiritually further along or you'd be blessed with a husband. And then it that's changes. what I was raised to believe. And mm-hmm. then it changes again because now it's like, Sorry, Josie. Spencer's going to be a mom. She has to go to the moms and like family ministry. Mm-hmm. You have to stay in married ministry. And Becca, you have to stay in single ministry. It's just the issue of, just of like, churches wanting to put you in a fucking box. Yes. Well, and and they, it's almost like it a issue you through. It's like a staircase of spirituality, like depending on whether you're married and you have kids. And if you're yes. not married, with, and like I, I, it's been such a hard thing for me within my own like journaling personal life and. I just like, it's, it's the shame that I carry from being raised mm-hmm. so evangelical of like, oh, like maybe the reason I'm single is because I must not love God enough. And it's like, no, that's not true. And it's just like this, like this lie that I tell myself because it's so deep rooted in me that like, maybe if I loved God better, like I'd have a husband and like, that's not true. That's not true at all. And it just like, it sucks that it's something that I've had to like, 
that I constantly have to tell myself is a lie because I was told that that was like, it's not told directly, but indirectly. I mean, it kind of direct. directly. I've been told directly. Well, because like, like, it was told directly like, to the You Mormons. will be blessed with a husband. Like, mm-hmm. pray for your husband and pray that this will happen for mm-hmm. you and it'll mm-hmm. happen. It's like, I can pray every day. So I will tell you, happen. you are not more spiritual because you're married. I do not feel like more of an adult because I'm married. I do not feel like more of a Jesus lover because I'm married. I don't feel smarter because I'm married. I feel like I have to take care of another human being and do more fucking laundry. Okay, that's what I feel like. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just think of like uh, Becca when you were in youth ministry. Did they ever talk about the the book when God writes your love story? Oh no! Um, because that what is like, that? that. I don't know, but I do remember writing letters to my future husband. Ah! Okay. Yes, so so that was like a practice that like I so the very first like small group I ever went to I was like in eighth grade it was me and like my like church BFF her name was Ashley and the the at the time which was kind of weird now I think about it the leaders were a girl named Francis and then my brother my oldest brother's girlfriend Simone um they these two were like we're gonna lead a middle school group and yeah it was all about like this like love story of like like God's gonna like find you like the perfect spouse and how Hey, you're only 14. That's okay. You need to start praying for him today because if you don't pray this for him, is why he's going to be on the wild path. This <laughs> is why women are miserable in their marriages because they get married. This is everything they've ever wanted. And then it's yes, just like an unrealistic expectation. <sighs> and so, yeah, like, gross. <laughs> so after that, like almost every single like small group I was in, we always read books about like every young woman's battle, like stay sexually pure. When God writes your love story about how like you or like uh dateable, like don't date now. Because, I read like, dateable. Or, dateable is the school. worst. Dateable is never the heard of worst. Any of these. I read this one also worst called book. Guys called Guys Are Waffles, Girls Are Spaghetti. Yes. What does that because, mean? Because, because <laughs> Because men have waffle brains, they compartmentalize everything. When women have spaghetti, everything is intertwined and everything is connected. My therapist says I'm very good at compartmentalizing, so I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, okay? Um, you must not be good at submitting to your husband. Yeah, I'm not, because I don't do that. <laughs> and so, yeah, like the, so the whole, the whole women's experience is, is catered towards men in this really weird way where it's over spiritualized and like hypersensitive to like all these things that exactly what you said Becca like you get to this point where you're 26 and you're single and there's nothing wrong with that but like you have these voices in your head that are like I did something wrong. I didn't love God enough. I didn't, I didn't pray for my husband enough. Like he's out there living this wild life and all this stuff. And like, I I'll never be ready for him when like, no, like literally life just happens. Shit just happens. Like people get married at all different ages and stages. And some people never get married and that's okay. Some people are in long-term relationships and they just never want to get married. I don't understand that, but some people are into that. Like the church has just such this narrow, like exactly what you said, like a staircase of like, you're going to start in like Sunday school as a kid. Jesus loves me. This I know you're going to get to elementary school. You're going to go to your first winter camp and be traumatized. Then you're going to go to middle school camp and be even more traumatized. And then by the time you get to college, you're like, cool. Uh, hopefully I'm going to get married in the next three or four years or else I'm a failure. So here it goes. 
This is why yeah, many people say, in bivocational ministry so they don't buy into this bullshit. Yeah. Well, and it was like refreshing for me because I think I was waiting for them in the interview process to ask me if I was dating someone and no one to this day has ever asked. <gasps> really? Praise I be know. to God. They and get a gold star from me. The only time, like, like I've been the only one to mention, like, the fact that I'm single by making, like, jokes about it. And, like, no, but nobody's ever asked. And nobody's even, like, continually, like, the conversation between that. They just let it be the joke that I make. And, like, it's never been, like, it's never been like, oh, we got to find you someone or things. Like, those things have never happened to me. And I'm like, I'm just like, wow, this is great because that didn't happen at my previous church. I remember going to a bridal shower at Village. Oh, and it, Yep. Remember that. <laughs> yeah. I went to this bridal shower and as we were leaving, this woman was like, all right, Becca, you're next. Oh, no. And I was just like, first of all no because obviously i'm not dating anybody and also like way to like make me feel bad and pressure me that like i need to be dating someone and getting married so that we can have another bridal shower and also like why can't you just throw me a party <laughs> like, like yeah. for my birthday or something i, I don't saw, know I, I think i saw something on twitter where it was, or maybe it was like tiktok or something about how there's like for like married people you get like yeah, bridal showers, engagement yep. parties, weddings, baby showers. baby showers, baby birthday parties, and like all that. And like when you're a single person, you're never really celebrated until that happens for you. And like, yeah, it's yeah. Sucks. You should have <laughs> you should have like um like got a new job. Like you need mm. some new stuff for your job. You need some new clothes. Here's a Target gift card. Or um you moved across the country. I'm sure you need shit for your apartment. Like. Let me send you stuff, Becca. Like, I, yeah, I get that. As someone who has heavily benefited from the married privilege and now preparing to have a baby shower later in the year, like, yes, I totally understand that. It's unfair. I rejected all of those things. By the time I'm married, I'm going to have everything I need. Like, they're yeah. already going to know wedding because I will have it all. You're already going to yep. have an air fryer and a KitchenAid, so what's the fucking point? Yep, it's true. Um, I also will not cook, so I'm... <laughs> Ooh, we have to find you a chef. Like I hate cooking so much. Yeah, me too. Wow, what a great conversation. I love having you becca always spencer loves having you too in case none of you uh realized we're all friends in real life so <laughs> that's why we were a mess <laughs> the becca episodes are my favorite because um we're hot messes all three of us and the conversation just is like an authentic look at because uh i think josie can attest to this sometimes we have episodes where we're like damn we got our shit together yep. that was great and then there's other days where we're like what the hell is happening and becca <laughs> just keeps it real with that so yeah so we this is yeah i hope you enjoyed this treat everybody um becca where can the people find you if you want to be found um, on Twitter at B-H-O-O-G. Um, also, I do have a concluding thought, and that is that um, I don't need a husband. I just need health insurance. Amen. <laughs> Universal <laughs> health care, everybody. <laughs> that's going to be... Call um, your senators. That's going to be the quote. I already picked it. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I don't need a husband. I need health. So that's exactly how I feel. I wouldn't have health insurance if I didn't have a fucking husband. <laughs> My husband wouldn't have health insurance unless it was for me. So ooh, 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 how does it ooh, feel to be mm, superior? Mm, power move. Yes. Does it feel to hold all the power in the relationship? <laughs> Feels pretty great. The that. medical power. <laughs> No, I also, uh, I've had this conversation where, um, Josie, be thankful that it comes from your spouse because I literally had the conversation with Jack where like, I feel this pressure of like, I can't quit my job because we are healthy. (laughs) Not that I want to quit my job. Just the thought in my head of like intrusive thought of like, you can never quit your job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Well, hopefully we'll get this thing passed. (laughs) Um, we are now official advocates for universal healthcare. We've always been. Yes, um, but now it's like on record. So, anyways, all that to say, Spencer, where can the people find us? They can find us on Instagram at Speaking in Church. They can find Josie at Josie Takes the World, and they can find me at Spencer Rose. <sighs> Friends, thanks for sticking around with our crazy. As always, stay woke or get woke. This has been an Irreverent Media Podcast.